0: Welcome to the Ribbon Box podcast. I'm Eloise, the founder. Each week we bring you expert interviews, reader stories, holistic offers, and more. Subscribe to our podcast for free to become an insider and never miss an episode. Hello, today I am being joined by guest, Sarah Patel, who is the founder of Teach to Sleep. Welcome. Hello, thank you for having me. Delighted to be chatting with you today all around babies and children's sleep and I've been there myself I still have issues with my kids sleep so I'm absolutely you know anticipating what you're going to say and really looking forward to some nuggets of information today right yeah I mean you're definitely not alone right so many parents struggle with sleep and it just always seems to go on and on I mean just through different stages but that's what we will discuss today so please introduce yourself Sarah and teach to sleep
1: Sure. Um, So my name's Sarah. I'm the founder of Teach to Sleep. it's basically my third and final baby something that i'm really passionate about i've got two little ones um, both who are now at school uh, my youngest has just started reception um, i had sleep trouble, troubles with them in the beginning and that's kind of what inspired me to start teach to sleep um, it's something that i'm really passionate about because sleep has such a huge impact on our kind of mental health uh, and well-being and i think there are so many parents out there who struggle and, and part of that is because we've got very unrealistic expectations um, And our society tends to push this idea um, of independence far too early. Definitely agree with that.
0: So first question about babies, how much sleep does a child need through the stages and the ages, for example from a newborn to an infant to a toddler?
1: So I'm really really glad you asked me this question because it's actually one of the most important questions and it's one that we we don't give a lot of emphasis to and, and parents aren't really aware of because um people tend to assume that babies infants toddlers need 12 hours sleep um and this is where it's really important to know one is that every baby is an individual so it will be different but it is really useful just to have um a general understanding of whereabouts your baby kind of may fit in terms of their particular sleep needs but also their ages so if we're looking at newborns um there is a huge discrepancy in terms of the amount of sleep they may need so some babies will need as little as nine hours in a 24-hour period whereas others will need up to 19 so obviously the difference there is absolutely huge and it's why some parents of newborns um you know, we'll say, well, they're sleeping all the time. We're like, yeah, that's really normal. And others, so these are kind of the minority, will say, you know, my baby actually rarely sleeps in the day uh, and obviously the night. And um, they sometimes, you know, don't have a whole day without having a nap and then maybe you know the next day they'll have a kind of a few little naps um and so that's where it's really important just to go actually as long as your baby is kind of generally pretty happy and when you see that they're tired you're helping them to fall asleep it could just mean that actually your baby doesn't need a huge amount of sleep which takes a massive amount of pressure off you right because otherwise you're trying to get your baby to have these 19 hours um and they're not doing it you feel like oh i'm doing something wrong my baby's doing something wrong when actually there are Babies as newborns who need very little sleep. Now, as you kind of creep up to the ages, that changes. And, you know, so we're looking at babies, so maybe from around about kind of four months to around about nine months you're looking at 12 to 15 hours and again that's over a 24-hour period Um, and it's much actually easier to look at the 24-hour period rather than breaking it down into daytime sleep and nighttime sleep because again that's going to depend on your baby's kind of sensitivities their sleep needs their temperament Um, but just knowing that okay so maybe they're going to get around about three hours in the daytime um, and maybe they're going to get around about kind of nine hours in the night that's that's completely normal obviously night time Sleep is going to be broken and they're going to be waking up. And as they get older, when you're looking kind of to toddlerhood, you're looking at around about 10 to 13 hours. And again, that's over 24 hours. And that may be, you know, that they're still having a nap. Um, and then that you're adding on to nighttime sleep or that they've dropped their nap and actually nighttime sleep is around about, you know, anywhere from 10 to 13 hours. Um, so hopefully that's useful. Very, very
0: useful. I think there can be a lot of pressure on parents, can't there? to worry, especially with your first child, am I doing the right thing? You know, Am I putting my child to to nap at the right times? What about if I'm out and about in the day? Um, How do I make that work with my lifestyle? Then throwing breastfeeding into the mix if you're doing that too. And then if you have another child and it's your second baby or third or more, um, it's kind of getting that routine going whilst you're
1: looking after potentially a toddler or older children as well. Absolutely. And I think there's this message that, you know, children need a huge amount of sleep. It's a really important thing that, um, you know, some sleep trainers will go as far to say that, you know, that that they're actually not going to kind of meet their developmental milestones if they don't get enough sleep, which just isn't true. You'd have to be incredibly sleep deprived for an awfully long time for it to have that impact. And actually, what it's much more about is about getting into a rhythm that works for, for your child, your baby but also your whole family. And so, you know, I, there's 18 months uh, apart between my two little ones. Um, and so when my son was born, the youngest, um, you know, we had naps in the carrier, most of all, uh, out and about in the pram. And and that supports sleep. It's about kind of going, right, I can see that actually my baby's tired. It doesn't matter whether they take a nap in their cot um, or, or whether it's on you or in a pram. It's actually just about going, well, I've got another older child who wants to be out and about not going to be able to have complete silence with these cot naps and they may not be able to happen exact times. That's life and that's normal. It's just about going, well actually um, I know my baby well. I'm going to get to know their sleepy signals and I'm going to help them fall asleep. Definitely. What do you think about things like the Gina Ford routine? Um so I'll be always completely honest. When I my daughter was born um we waited such a long time for her we had we had kind of troubles in terms of fertility and and you know it took five years for us to to have her and when she came along we were so excited and you know I was ready to embrace all the kind of sleepless nights um and I got to about you know she was doing the kind of usual I felt quite lucky she would do kind of two hour stints overnight and that was bearable and when she got to the four month kind of progression when when sleep really kind of hit that wall and she was waking every 45 minutes I took breaking points so after about six weeks I was you know googling everything and the only thing that I could find then so it's kind of seven years ago was just sleep training right just leave them to cry um And it's something that I did which I I really regret and that's why I kind of went on to retrain because I thought there must be another way and I don't want to do this with with my son um and in terms of you know does it work um she would she learned that to get to sleep she would cry so she would cry and fall asleep and yeah she generally slept well but anytime she went through kind of poorliness teething she'd have to do that again um and I just kind of was like actually I, this doesn't feel right. This is not what I want. And so we kind of went back, um, and I taught her that actually, um, if you need me, I'm going to be here. I'm going to stay with you until you fall asleep. She's a great sleeper, and what I mean about a great sleeper, she's she's happy to go to bed. Um, she doesn't feel scared at night. If she does, she'll come in. She might get into my bed, or I might go and sit with her. Um, that's really important for me. And so. My issue with cry it out is one for. It's not the only method, and it teaches our children that they should be able to be left alone at night they should be able to get themselves to sleep and i think that's come from this you know well sleep industry which makes you know huge amount of money and actually if we peel it back um, and you look at all around the world people don't do that they don't call it kind of bed sharing. um they don't kind of talk about the fact that we're failing as a society or parents they just comfort their children and you know we do that in the daytime so why wouldn't we do it at night it's just this message we've sent you know you've got to get back into work your children need to be able to sleep um, it's really important they do it by themselves yet most of us will sleep you know maybe with a partner and we have our own kind of comfort so for me it's just something that feels uncomfortable doesn't feel right I'm not here to judge anybody and uh, like I said I've done it myself um but it's important for me to show that there are other ways that are so much more responsive and have a huge impact on sleep and often a much quicker impact than cry out because most of the time if your baby's waking very very frequently um and it's not to do with kind of poorliness or they're not going through a huge developmental milestone it's often to do with sleep needs and and making tweaks in your daytime routine which is so much easier to do um and if you have a baby who's Either getting too much sleep or not enough, and you leave them to cry, they will cry for hours. And, you know, there are all sorts of forums that kind of approve that and tell you that if your baby vomits, that, that, that that's your, you know, moving in the right, right direction. And how can that be something that we want to embrace when there are so many other much better things that we can be doing? Definitely. I completely agree with that. Do you think that
0: the routine that you have in the day impacts how the nighttime goes in terms of how much a baby wakes?
1: Yeah, I I do. And, you know, it's not about kind of getting obsessed about timings, or even necessarily exactly how long a nap is. But with most of um, the kind of parents that I work with, when we're looking at very frequent wake ups, It's often to do with the fact that um, actually parents will come to me and say, oh, I followed this particular schedule. You know, I've now finally got my baby to do this two hour lunch nap. You know, I walk around the park for two hours and it's taken me ages um, and actually sleep has got worse. And that's because... We're following a schedule that's not for that particular baby. And often it's because too much sleep is actually going on. So the sleep pressure for that baby is not high enough when it comes to bedtime. Um, And that often actually causes more wake-ups, which people don't realise because we sold this message. You mustn't get overtired. That causes more wake-ups. And so, you know, long naps are, are the way forward.
0: And um, what about, we've, we've obviously just talked about infants a little bit and, and newborns, but what about toddlers? Because it's, I, I've personally found with my three that, especially have, having, having twins, you go through waves of one sleeping well, then another doesn't, and they creep into your bed in the night. And, you know, you're so exhausted. And if they're crying, it's sometimes easier to let them crawl into bed with you than go back into their room and settle them back in their room.
1: Yeah, and I think you have to decide as a family so there's absolutely nothing wrong with a toddler, a child getting up in the middle of the night and getting into your bed and going to sleep. Um, and I think if that works for you as a family, you don't need to do anything. If that's difficult because maybe you've got a younger baby in there or you, you've got somebody who's doing shifts or it just doesn't work for you, then it's looking at other options and kind of working out, well, first of all, you know, why are they waking up? Um, and for toddlers, this is really common. And so you can often have babies who sleep really well, then they come to kind of toddlerhood and they start waking up or they wake up early. Um, and usually that's because they've suddenly kind of gone. Ah, right. So at night time, you know, you kind of get into your bed maybe with your, your partner, whatever it is, or, or a younger child, and I'm I'm here by myself, um, and I, I'm not I'm not okay with that. And so they may just be kind of checking. Well, actually, can I come in with you? Some families may go, yeah. Do you know what? We're gonna we're gonna bed share as a family, um, and some families will kind of go that that doesn't work for us, or we're not able to do that safely. <laughs> and so it's about kind of going what can we do instead so some some toddlers will be happy if you just kind of take them back to their bed you kind of stay with them this is the key here because a lot of people are sold the message that your baby toddler will only sleep through if they can get themselves to sleep that is not true um i still lie with my two every night because that's what i want to do they fall asleep in five minutes i know that they won't want to do that forever um and they sleep through um and so actually it's about kind of teaching your toddler to feel really safe and secure and happy in their environment and sometimes what can happen is parents feel like they must get out of the bedroom before they're asleep and so then that child feels you're going to leave me any minute and so they find it very difficult to fall asleep and they often wake up quite frequently because they're checking if you gone are you still there so for me it's much more about them kind of, right do they feel really happy in their bedroom in their sleep space um Do you spend time in there playing together? Um, Do they have ways to get themselves back to sleep? So do they have maybe a teddy and comforter? Do they have a bottle of water that when, like we do, you know, you wake up, you have a drink, you go back to sleep. Sometimes teaching those skills are really important because at that age, there's a lot of things they can do. You know, they might get all snuggly into their, pulling their duvet up and getting into that special kind of um, sleep position that works for them. So kind of going through all of these things so that you go, right, when you wake at night, For us as a family, this is what I'd like you to do. Uh, Maybe have a sip of water, cuddle your teddy, lie back down in your special position. If you can't sleep, you're going to call me or maybe you're going to come and get me. And it's that kind of positive message rather than, you know, you must be able to sleep in your bedroom. It's really important. You've got to be able to sleep by yourself. Absolutely. I think also as they get older and they're out of nappies as well, then you
0: have, um, you know, bed wetting and things like that, don't you, which can disturb sleep as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we I've had parents who've come to me and said, you know, we've done the cry out method and actually once they've um, been potty trained, they have wet themselves and haven't felt like they can call us, which, you know, just makes you feel so sad because, again, as parents, they've been made to feel that that's what is right, that they should be able to kind of get on with it by themselves. And obviously kind of bed wetting is a really normal part of the process. And again, it's just that idea of reacting positively and saying, you know, OK, I'm here, I'm going to help you. This is normal. Definitely. And going back to babies, um,
0: there can be some competitiveness, would you say, between friends in terms of, oh, how how soon did your baby sleep through the night and how much sleep are you getting? Um, Do you hear that from the parents that you help? Uh, They're sort of keen to know, when will my baby sleep through the night?
1: Yeah. And I remember that myself. It's very difficult, isn't it? And, you know, there's this idea of not, don't compare. I don't find that message particularly helpful or useful because it's normal to compare. And actually that can be really helpful. It's just how you see it. And I think, um, you know, especially if you've got something like a NCT group, baby group, and they're all the same age, it's really hard not to kind of go, all oh, right, everyone else's baby is sleeping okay. Mine's the only one. That's very rarely true. But a lot of parents will come to me and say, oh, but everybody in my my group, they're all sleeping well. And the first thing is just to unpick about a baby sleeping well will mean lots of different things for different people. And so some, it may be, you know, they, they've got really kind of realistic expectations. Their baby may be waking every two hours, they feed them, they go back to sleep. And for them, it's a great night's sleep. Um, they may be bed sharing, which means that actually their, their baby sleeps much better, they, they kind of latch on themselves. And so the mum parent doesn't realise that actually, uh, they're barely waking themselves. So again, they're getting a good night's sleep. Um, the very difficult thing, I think, and this is especially when you're in a really challenging um, sleep phase is when you get one you get obsessed about the sleeping through because you're so tired or it's the pressure of oh you know they're six months old now they should be able to sleep through you know mine is is your baby sleeping through um and that really isn't the goal the goal is to try and get everybody as much sleep as possible and make that as easy as possible with the least amount of stress because some babies are just born in terms of the temperament they will sleep easily. So my sister-in-law, she's had four children. She always says the reason she's had four, and you can see it in all of them, they, I'm kind of a big believer in the dandelion um, and the orchid temperaments. So the dandelion, very easygoing. Her her children kind of never really struggled with different types of foods when they're weaning. And, feeding breastfeeding sleeping it's all come quite easy for them and they're just born that way and you can see that in their temperament whereas other babies so my my sisters they've always woken up really frequently and they've needed more support um and it's about kind of going well that's normal and some babies will sleep through straight away it's nothing to do with the parents not that they're doing a bad job but they're not doing anything that's different from you um and some babies will naturally wake up more often because they need that comfort or they've got smaller tummies and they need feeding more regularly. And so there is no magic point. And I often find this question very difficult because there are some babies who will take a very long time to sleep through. And that can be extremely hard to hear when you've got a young baby and you're in a challenging phase. But what you what I tend to notice is that once you've kind of come out of that challenging phase, it's not to do with the sleeping through. It's to make sure that you're getting enough sleep and good quality sleep where you feel okay. Um, and so the idea about when do you sleep through is it can happen at any age. And so for ch- some children, that, that may be quite kind of, um, that might be school age. It might be longer than that. For others, it may be really early and actually maybe um, so early that parents are waking them up to feed because they need to be kind of um, checked on in the night and, and possibly usually hungry. Really good advice.
0: Thank you so much, Sarah. We've talked about this a little bit, but co-sleeping with your baby, what are the do's and don'ts and the latest advice around that? So
1: one thing about the, the, the term co-sleeping, it can get really confusing because co-sleeping will mean ba- uh, having a baby in the same room as you and a separate sleep surface so a lot of people use things like side cots um and so with that kind of sleeping you're following all the safety advice in terms of um cot sleeping so you know kind of a firm mattress nothing in the cots until they're over 12 months um but when we're talking about bed sharing um we're talking about you know kind of having a, a much I suppose you're a bigger list in terms of what we're checking for, and so if you're having a baby share a bed with you, um, it's really important that that baby is kind of full term and, and healthy, and that you. My advice to all kind of parents is always, if you can, set up your bed for safe sleep um, uh, bed sharing because you just don't know whether it might happen, especially when you've got a young baby and you're maybe feeding or you're sitting up with them and you, and you fall asleep. Everybody has been there and you wake up and you're like, Oh my gosh, you know, is baby. Okay. Now, if you've set your bed up, you're much more likely to be in a safer um position so making sure um that the, the you know the mattress is firm um making sure that it's flat um ideally it's breastfeeding um mother because that's what the research shows in terms of safety and you're in this kind of curl c position i've got a reel on that on my instagram if you want to see kind of what it looks like baby is on their back um Ideally, you don't have any covers on the bed, but I mean, usually that's not particularly practical or warm. So parents may kind of be in a sleeping bag uh, or they may wrap themselves up in the duvet. So that's kind of nowhere near baby. Um, Often in terms of kind of layers and being a comfortable and safe temperature, uh, a baby who's bed sharing will have one less layer because they're going to get that heat from you. Um, Anybody who's in that bed isn't taking medication, which makes them kind of drowsy and it's a non-smoking Household and haven't got any pets uh, in there. And there's actually I mean there's all a lot of criteria you can kind of go into in terms of bed sharing, but they're the general ones, the main ones. Um and it's just kind of going as a family, um, what is most important to us, but also what are we able to do and how can we make sure that our sleep uh, situation, no matter what it is, is as safe as possible. Really, really great advice. Thank
0: you for that, Sarah. What about moving or transitioning your baby into a cot or moving them out of your room? What's the advice on that in terms of when?
1: Um, So the advice in the UK is kind of from six months. Um, That doesn't mean you have to do it at six months. It just means in terms of safety, um, the risk of SIDS reduces then. And so some parents will decide that's when they're going to do it. And then you're looking at that, um, again, that sleep space. So because it's before 12 months, you want to make sure there's nothing inside that cot, so no bumpers or anything, um, that they're either in a kind of sleeping bag or um, um, blanket. Um, and obviously, you can, you can still keep an eye on them. You can still check them. But it's really about that sleep space being as safe as possible. Definitely. And you mentioned this before,
0: but how do you encourage your child to self-soothe at night?
1: So again, this one terminology can be quite tricky because self, the self soothe is actually this idea that a, um, a child, a baby can get very, very upset, and then they have the ability to calm themselves down. Now, that doesn't happen until you're kind of looking at school age children, because that's quite a skill in itself. And, you know, even as an adult, you can struggle to kind of calm yourself down. So that's not possible for babies and young children. But this idea of kind of self-settling, so if you put a baby or a toddler and they're lying down in their sleep space and they're quite happy, um, and then they, they fall asleep themselves, that is self-settling. And so that's what we we can kind of aim towards. And so what can be really useful for babies, newborns, have their hands out because they often just want to suck on them. Um, and that's often what they do to self-settle. They might suck their fingers or their thumb. It might be that they suck a dummy. And then they can they can fall asleep sometimes without any help. Or it might be that they kind of, you know, still want a bit of a pat or they still want to be held while they're doing other things like sucking on their hands. Some babies will really bang down their legs. Um, and that's part of the self-settling. They kind of do that before they fall asleep themselves. And the best thing you can do to kind of encourage this the behavior of self-settling is to make sure that you help them fall asleep. So they've got this really good relationship with sleep, that they find it safe. Um, And then make sure that they are going to sleep, not at a particular time, but when you see that they are tired and you support them to sleep. That's the kind of the biggest thing you can do in terms of helping them find um, kind of behaviors they can then do to support their own sleep. Great, great advice. Thank you for that. What about
0: natural sleep remedies for little ones like cherry juice, chamomile, magnesium,
1: sun exposure? I mean, generally they're a load of rubbish um, <laughs> you know, and, th- and things like magnesium i'd say you know you, you want to be going to somebody medically qualified to yeah. be offering things like that there, there, there should be a reason and you know there seems to be a bit of trend with melatonin now as well um and really the first thing you want to know is if if your baby's working waking up incredibly frequently or child Why are they doing that? That's the most important question. Um, So you know, sometimes it's because of separation anxiety or because they're teething, and then you can kind of act accordingly. The last thing we want to do is just go right here. You're gonna have a load of cherry juice because there's some research that shows that yeah, you might get a bit more sleep. You'd have to drink an awful lot, and usually it's you know got a lot of sugar in, so it's not really going to be helpful. But sun, you know, definitely always recommend getting outside because that helps with the circadian rhythm and vitamin D. And so that will have a positive impact on sleep. But there is no quick fix for sleep. And it's about that kind of long term relationship and going, yeah, it's going to go up and down. That's completely normal and just kind of going, well, I've got loads of other tools that I can do to support sleep. Um But yeah, in terms of if anybody's going to say, take this or take that, I would really only ever go to somebody who's medically qualified. And in terms of these kind of ideas of a cherry juice, whatever it is, it's not going to have an impact. Really good to know. Bedtime. What if
0: that is becoming really difficult and something that you dread as a parent because you know how long it's going to take?
1: First thing to say is that is completely normal, does not make you a bad parent. Most of us by that time of the day are absolutely shattered. And so you're you you know you're desperate to get to bedtime, they feel that. So it's one thing is to kind of think about how as much as possible you can make that bedtime easy, easy for everybody. And so the first thing to think about is if bedtime is particularly challenging, again, thinking about why. Is it because maybe your, your baby is overtired and actually they, they've gone beyond it and so it's very difficult to get them to sleep. Is it which a lot of people have actually at toddlerhood and older, they're just not tired. So you're kind of aiming for that seven o'clock because that's what everyone talks about. But actually they're really resisting because they're nowhere near tired enough. Um, is it because they're looking for that connection time with you and they want that kind of one-to-one quality time? So it might be if you've got an older kind of child before bedtime, you know, drawing together or doing something they enjoy. So it might be kind of roughhousing, having some real rough and tumble play um, and trying to make sure that that routine works for your particular child. So my daughter is very much, she's got very high sleep needs. She's she's an orchid child. She's very sensitive. She likes to be close. She likes to uh, have calm time stories read my son is complete opposite so he needs much less sleep um he has an awful lot of energy so while we're reading stories he'll be running around I mean, they share a bedroom he'll be playing with his toys um and then you know when i'm kind of lying down with her it's, he's had to learn that he, he's not tired at that point so it's okay for him to kind of sit on the floor quietly at this point and play with his toys until he's ready to go to sleep and that's one thing as parents we can feel that kind of responsibility is that you must get to sleep but it's really important to allow our children especially as they get older to trust their instincts so if they're not tired it's much better to go do you know what we've come up here a bit early let's go into another room let's play for a little bit and then when you see those sleepy signals you can go right now we're going to start the bedtime routine which really only needs to be kind of young baby by ten minutes you know as they get older maybe up to half an hour when you're doing stories but generally if you're timing it right and you've got those things those activities that help your particular little one um then it should be a relatively kind of painless activity that's really useful to know really really useful to know and Sarah how
0: can people um get in touch with you for one-to-one consultations your sleep guides and courses
1: Um, so Instagram is a really great place um, because I do a free Q&A on there weekly so it's at teach to sleep um, on my website www.teachtosleep.co.uk and you can kind of book in a consultation on there or I've got guides on lots of things and online courses fantastic well everyone
0: should take a look and get in touch with you if they want some personalized advice Um, I really appreciate your time today Sarah it's been so nice chatting with you so thank you for coming on our podcast Thank you.